0: Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alfsted and featuring Seahawks sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hey Seahawks fans, we're back at it again. Welcome to the Hawks Playbook Podcast, episode 29 and I am your host, Bill Alstead. I am here, as always, with featured uh, Seahawks writer and analyst, football analyst, Keith Myers. Good morning, Keith.
1: Good morning, Bill. How are you today?
0: I'm doing very well, thank you. It finally, uh, my my yard is literally taking a big gulp right now of, of water after the, the summer. I don't typically try to water too much in my yard, so I kind of let my back grass die out a little bit, so I'm not mowing it all summer. And then so I'm just watering you know newer plants and so forth, <clears throat> and uh the whole yard is just soaking it in right now
1: yeah it's um it the the weather is cool and wet it is officially fall in terms of weather I know it's supposed to warm warm back up and and all that kind of fun stuff here next week, but right now this is i know i'm weird i don't i I don't do the heat of summer well I do the 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 sixty degrees and and you know damp uh fall weather that this, this is much more my style I
0: I'd, I'd I'd say that for me too because I think I do better in that sort of environment but I do love the sun and the, the warmth I don't know what it is but I can't be too warm though cuz if it's over 90 I'm kind of miserable especially if I'm outside and doing stuff um but and then this weekend we were going to have a long weekend going over to uh Sun River which is near Bend Oregon central Oregon and uh we're going to do a thursday night, friday night, saturday night thing. And it's supposed to be in the in the mid 50s until we leave and then it's supposed to jump back up to the, you know, mid 70s. So, I was kind of hoping to go over there and have some sun and play a little golf and we're still going to play some golf and do some hiking around, but it'll be a l- little bit cooler than I was thinking. So, Keith, we won our first game in the regular season against the kind of hapless 49ers uh the only team really worse than us on offense <laughs> they they well, haven't scored yet a touchdown this year and we have so that makes us slightly better
1: i, I think houston would um would have a, an argument for being worse than the seahawks on <laughs> offense they they look pretty bad too but yeah it's um a win is a win take a it win is a run win, with it did, but at the same some... time man the offense did not look good again I did Mm -hmm. see
0: some signs of hope, though. I mean, the big stat that that stands out, I think, overall in that game was we had six drops. And I think there was at least two or three of those drops that clearly impacted the final score and really how we all felt about the win afterwards. I mean, if we score those two touchdowns that we had as drops and uh, we have that key third down conversion that was a drop, um, maybe everyone kind of feels a little different about this game, and that's why I'm not terribly overly concerned about it. I mean I, I, I want it, I feel concerned and we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna go into some details as to why it's dysfunctional, but I also see some hope.
1: Yeah, I mean you look at in uh, the first three drives that uh that Seattle had, you had CJ Procise drop um a slant pattern when there was nobody in front of him that he walks in for a touchdown and then you have uh tanner mcavoy drop uh a touchdown pass in the back of the end zone when he's there's no contact i mean there's defenders in the area but they're not close enough to actually touch him it was he aggravating was, he just flat dropped it
0: yeah
1: um and you know if they score on those two plays it's 14 nothing at that point and we're and feeling the whole di- much, much yeah. better, and the, the whole game.
0: dynamic of the game changes at that point too. Forty ers yeah. are playing from behind, and you know, I think it, and we end up running the ball more, and um, yeah, I mean, there there was some hope. Now, granted, it's the Forty ers so you have to take that all in with a grain of salt. Here is a team that came off a two and fourteen season last year, so, and this is a team that everyone clearly expects to be most likely under five hundred this year. Uh, probably not even close. Maybe six wins. It looks they, look like a pretty decent team is developing there. But still, nonetheless, they shouldn't be on our level with the talent that we've got around the team, and everything kind of points back to that offensive line, Keith.
1: Oh yeah, the offensive line played terribly again. Uh, I mean, and they it was it was slightly better than week one. Um, you know, with pass protection and. And they got some of the run blocking together in the fourth quarter, but it was still it was still abysmal. And this was yeah. a, you know the the ers have some talent uh, on their front four, but they're after, behind that you know they don't have great linebackers outside of uh, Bowman, who's you know not really a, a pass rush rushing threat anymore, and they don't really have much in the way of a secondary either. And so it's really just the, that that front four and the Seahawks just could not block them for the first three quarters. They yeah. could not, they could not keep <clears throat> Wilson clean. They could not create some running lanes for the, for the running backs. It was just, and, uh, it was very frustrating.
0: Keith, I, I, you know, just to be honest, I think that I'm even a little bit more concerned about our lack of run game. Now I know that we made up for that in the fourth quarter, Chris Carson looked outstanding, but before the fourth quarter, I think he had like 13, 14 carries for 35 yards, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't look, I mean, here, here's my issue. This offensive line first and foremost was purchased to establish the run. The entire off season was to remold the offensive line a little bit to, um inject talent into the running backs in order so that we could run the ball the way that Pete Carroll really likes to to ball control the offense and so far i mean they've been they've been drafted to to run block most of these guys are you know not known as being pass blocking guys at all across the the front five but they can they can run block that's what we've mm-hmm. been told but we're not seeing it keith
1: yeah i mean you get like Jermaine Effetti is a great example. He has really slow feet. He's going to struggle and struggle and struggle against speed rushers, but you put him out there because he's supposed to be a powerful run blocker and a guy that can just move defensive ends and push them back, and he's not doing it. He's not getting leverage. He's not doing what he needs to do, and you know, the same was for Glowinski. I mean, he is a guy that's out there above Abushi because he's supposed to be the better run blocker. Abushi um, was the better pass blocker. Um, but they went with Glow, Glow because he's supposed to be the run blocker, and he's just not getting it done. Well, let's talk um, about run-blocker. Glowinski.
0: I mean, to me, my eyes, without looking at deep stat analysis, he looks like the, the weak link on the line. I mean, a Fetty, yes, but Glowinski, man, it's really makes that one-two punch on the right side there really lackluster, and quite frankly, it's probably going to end up getting Russell Wilson, you know, a concussion one of these days.
1: Yeah. In uh, addition, there's no push. It's just not working. And um, Pete Carroll alluded to that uh, this week and said that you know there will be some changes made both uh, in terms of scheme and what they're doing and personnel. Um, he didn't say what that meant, uh, but. I think what you know we're going to see is uh, more Chris Carson and less of the other guys in the backfield, because that helps. And I think we're going to see a change on the line. And I think the easiest change to make would be to bring Ibushi in at right guard and send Glowinski uh, to the bench.
0: Yeah, Keith, I, I think that that's... That's probably actually gonna happen. I mean, based on Pete Carroll's words without actually coming out and saying it, he basically forecasted that. And I yes. and and the question then becomes just how far does that forecast go? Does Ethan Posick come in? And <clears throat> for a Fetty, maybe he takes some snaps there on the on the right side to see what he can do at right tackle. Or I don't I mean, it could get crazy. I mean, who knows, right? Do you put posting it at Posick in at center and take Britt, who's rejuvenated his career at center, and move him into a guard position. I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's almost getting time where you got to start throwing some crazy stuff out there to see what five guys work the best together. And Posick, given his pedigree and and everything they said about him in the offseason, I don't know if he's ready. I don't know if they think that he's ready to contribute right now, but talent-wise, God, he's got to be He's got to be close to being in the top five, I would think, Keith.
1: Oh, talent-wise, he absolutely is. The problem is, is he's not prepared. Uh, Tom Cable spent, you know, mini camps and OTAs and uh, training camp, making uh, Postic learn four different positions. He yeah, learned yeah. right tackle, right guard, center, and then spent some time at left tackle. And he never actually got prepped to play in an, in a regular season game because he was too busy learning. Uh, the responsibilities and playbooks of four different players on offense. I and think they is,
0: they tried to do that to get Hunt off the roster. What do you think? Uh,
1: yes, I mean they did. They wanted they wanted that. They also thought they had a reasonable offensive line without Posick, uh, and so they felt they could do that. But this is one of the the fundamental flaws with uh, the what Seattle is doing on the offensive line um, and with Tom Cable. Uh, and his philosophy is that K- Tom Cable values versatility and he wants guys to practice at multiple multiple positions. Now that worked, you know, 10 years ago when he was in Oakland and Atlanta because they could practice. They practiced over, like at least twice as much as they do now. So they could get guys out there, give them all the work they needed to be prepared at their position and to learn other positions. Now with the new CBA and the way practices are cut back, Um, there's very few of them, contact is limited, they can't really work on those things. And so now all that time spent on versatility on the line is hurting players' preparedness to be in games right now. And that's one of the major flaws that the Seahawks have going forward. It's just philosophical that Tom Cable's just not preparing his guys to play uh, games early in the year.
0: Well, I think that, I agree with everything you just said, <clears throat> and I think that probably points to your solu- your first solution, which is Abu Shade come in. Abushi's got experience outside of the Seahawks organization that he can bring to the table that at least provides some stability in there. Now, whether or not he ends up being a, an adequate pass uh, blocker, that remains to be seen, although he's known for that. Um, I think that that may actually be an improvement there and we'd like to see any sort of improvement whether it's the run game or the pass game protection um, for Russell Wilson because uh, you know Russell Wilson at this point is getting pressured or hit or sacked 40 percent of his dropbacks, And and uh, you know that that would lead the league in any year and that just reaffirms the terrible awful nature of our of our offensive line but you know everyone knows that and we know that i you know i don't know that there's a, a particular exact solution to this thing but we're going to have to figure it out and i think they need to start throwing some guys out there for a series or two just to see if anybody's doing any better
1: yeah i mean you at some you have to kind of trust the coaches normally because they are there every day they see what goes on in the film room Um, They see what goes on in the meetings. They see what goes on in practice. They know who's ready and all that kind of stuff. And for most coaching coaches, especially in Seattle, I trust the evaluations that they make. I just don't see it with Tom Cable. And there's just this long history of Drew Nowak starting over guys that actually know how to play the position. And, um, you know, moving uh, Justin Britt, around like just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks. And then he finally, of course did. And it. trying yeah.
0: guys like Christian Schicoli out uh, that, that never work out. Um, Sweezy was, was one of those conversion projects that actually, you know, did work out, but he was still kind of a middling guy, even at yeah. best. And so I agree, Keith. Um it- <laughs> The, the bottom line is that there still appears to be a, a, an unbreakable trust level between Pete Carroll and Tom Cable. And so given that fact, and, and Daryl Bevel's kind of in that mix too, when you combine all these things together, you've got a scheme that maybe doesn't necessarily work uh, perfectly with the players that we've got in, and then you throw Tom Cable into that and his own unique thing with the offensive line, and then you've got Russell Wilson thrown into that situation because – you know, he's having to run for his life and having to complete passes on the run way more than most quarterbacks do in the league. Luckily for us, he's the best at it, but nonetheless, that really impacts his ability to uh, have a consistent performance week in, week out. And then you go to the run game, you know, we're lucky enough that we found Chris Carson, right? Because if we had to depend on Thomas Rawls, we don't know if he's going to be healthy a hundred percent at any point. And quite frankly, he's not able to run behind this offensive line as it's currently constructed. Then you've got Eddie Lacey that didn't even suit this week yeah. as a healthy
1: scratch. Uh, yep. A healthy player, not in, uh, you know, cause you know, the 53 man roster becomes a 46 man roster right. game day. So they have to have seven guys uh, inactive and the team chose to keep Eddie Lacey inactive.
0: Right. And then That's I have how- one, I have one more point and then we've got, uh we've got Jimmy Graham, who's in on over fifty plays on offense, has one catch for one yard. They bring him in to block on like 30 over 30 plays Ch- and chip block. He's not very good at it. I clearly, in my own eyes, saw him whiff and miss or not even try very hard on several of those attempts. You know, so they're completely misusing Jimmy Graham because of the whole I'm just going to say it shit show that we have on the <laughs> offensive line. Right. Yep. And, uh, so we've completely ruined a $10 million, uh, talent in Jimmy Graham. You know, he's going to get himself injured. He got injured <laughs> on a quote unquote blocking play where he was out on the, on the outside edge trying to set a, a block for, a I don't know what, I, I don't even remember what the play was cause it was so discombobulated and he got injured. And, but anyway, enough of the rant. Let's you know. Let's talk about Eddie Lacy for a half a second, Keith. Like, uh, came in big time uh, contract, two point eight million dollars guaranteed. No matter what we do with him, he's going to get paid. Um, to be quite honest, you know, the eye test throughout the entire preseason, I didn't see anything that stood out to me at all that he was interested or ready to play for the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Well, I don't think interested what is fair i think he he was out there he was working he he kept losing weight it didn't um, show
0: on the effort side when he actually got touches in the preseason
1: yeah i mean what i what i looked at um with him is this, this is a guy who is overweight coming off a knee injury and just never looked like was he an- was ankles right Oh yeah, it was ankle. But yeah, he, he just never looked like he was there. He he doesn't have his his quickness back uh, as a combination of the injury a- and the weight issues. There's he no
0: explosiveness. Never,
1: yeah, he's just there. Um, and you know, with this offensive line being as bad as it is, you have to have a guy who can make people miss yeah. in the backfield because you're not getting to the line. And then, um, you know, at, at speed getting to a hole and then getting a chance to run over a linebacker, you are going to struggle to get back to the line because there's going to be unblocked guys or poorly blocked guys in your way. And he just doesn't have the quickness to handle that anymore. Yeah. And maybe he'll get back to that as he continues to get in shape and, you know, continues to get his ankle stronger. But He just isn't there now, and that's why they left him inactive, because he's just not a guy that's going to be helpful.
0: I think he stays with the roster, though, Keith, given the the health nature of Procise and Rawls, and he is a guy that I think can help you um, as the season goes on and maybe our offensive line gets its act together on at least run-blocking. Um I don't have necessarily high hopes for the pass blocking for the for the season although I do hope that it's it turns out to be a little better than it is now but I think the run blocking uh you want to try to be successful at that and I think that the Seahawks are working really hard to do it <clears throat> and I think you know a guy like Eddie Lacy you're right he needs a little bit more room and I think that um you know even a guy like Thomas Rawls who does have the ability to uh pe- make people miss is struggling just because of the initial push uh, against our offensive line to get into the backfield on running plays is probably one of the worst in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean the the Houston Texans have an argument for that that they have the worst line in the in the NFL, but their best player is still holding out. Um, you know, their their franchise left tackle is not in there. Seattle is at full strength and they're right there with houston as far as being bad and to me that all comes back to to cable i mean he's got he got a which was the guy he wanted you know uh over there it's not working he he's had Glowinski now this is year three and he's it's not working you know he um this is year four for justin Britt, and they finally found a, a way for him to contribute. It's just it's it's these kind of things just over and over again. they've got to, he's got to do a better job of developing the talent that he's got and he's just not getting done. So
0: Keith, paint me a realistic upside picture of the offensive line this year and a realistic worst case scenario.
1: I think the realistic worst case scenario is that what you have going on right now, is what you see all year. You just have these guys that don't uh work together. They get beat one on one. They it just continues to be this uh mess.
0: How much does it hold back the team?
1: Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent it holds back the team. Well, I mean, how, how it,
0: much? Like, what's the record on a team that is as functional as it is right now? Eight hundred or nine I mean
1: and, nine and seven, ten and six. I mean, the defense is going to win them games, and having the 49ers and uh, Arizona and the Rams, which look did not look nearly as good this week on the schedule. Those are some those are some easy wins. And they got some other teams on there that are that'll be that'll they'll be able to beat. But uh, you know, we're they're no longer in the discussion for a first round bye or the number one overall seed. And they're no longer in the discussion as a Super Bowl team if the offensive line doesn't get fixed if it doesn't get right it doesn't have to be great it doesn't have to be dallas it just needs to be you know mediocre if, it, if they can get if they can get better to the point where they're a mediocre group this team is a super bowl team it's it's that good but they they can't even get mediocre out of the offensive line right now
0: well let's hope that uh the Titans this week are, are a cure I mean, we play Tennessee at Tennessee this week and it's an average defense, but they do have, you know, every team, you can say every team has some players up front that are going to give Seattle problems with this line, you know, and, and Tennessee is no different. They've got some guys and Derek Morgan's going to rush the passer, and he's already got two sacks on the season. They've got some other guys that are going to cause problems. Um, you know, the back end of that defense is where I think Seattle can take advantage if we can give Russell Wilson some time. I mean, we can go into that a little later in our second segment. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying as a cure for this, mm-hmm. this offensive line, maybe we've got a chance on the road this week. Maybe they can come together on the road. I don't know.
1: We'll see. Uh, the whole Jarrell Casey versus Mark Lewinsky matchup is. I think we're not going to see Mark Lewinsky scary. this week,
0: Keith. I think they are going to make that change.
1: I hope I, I hope so. And the thing is, I actually like Mark Lewinsky. I, I like Glow. He's a he's a good guy. I think it is a there's a lot of talent there. Maybe they he can turn just... him into a center. <laughs> turn everybody into centers. It'll and then trade him. Yeah. Play play five centers. Um, <laughs> right now, why not? Right now, they're playing um, four guards. Uh... Uh, hey, out let's there, so. let's
0: move away from the offensive line a little bit and talk about Russell Wilson in this game. Russell Wilson was twenty three of thirty nine for one hundred ninety eight yards and a touchdown. He looked at times better than those stats and at times worse than those stats when he had some overthrows and so forth. Um, and you, I don't know what you can attribute that to the most, but you know whether it's a little bit of a factor, some wet balls there, certainly some pressure that he's uh, running outside the pocket and so forth. But Tell me what your feeling is about Russell Wilson so far this year.
1: Well, I think it's mixed. Um, if you look at that, at this game, you know, he had six passes that were dropped. And if you add, if you stick those six passes into his stats, um, you know, his completion percentage is pretty good. He's got two more touchdowns because two of the drops were, you know, in in the end zone. Um, 250 yards
0: passing, three touchdowns. Yeah, 29, yeah, 39, I, right? <clears throat>
1: we're We're feeling pretty good about it um but at the same time you you look you you can't just automatically give him those because um you know because they change the the complexity of the game right if the seahawks are are winning by that much more because those passes were caught, then you know they're not throwing as much, they're running more that kind of thing, and then you look at what happened in the second half until you know that final drive where he just kind of took over. Um there was a lot of errant passes, some balls behind people, um, some overthrows, a couple of balls that probably should have been picked off, um, but weren't uh, not his know, best two back-to-back back games. What?
0: Not his best two back-to-back games.
1: No, and I think I think in the first game it had a lot to do with the fact that, you know, they don't practice uh him having to run for his life on every play. And so it takes some, you know, getting used to. And in in this one, there are some of that, and then there were just some bad throws. And so I think that it's one of those things where the offensive line needs to improve a little bit so we can settle down. I mean, the idea that a quarterback is going to, you know uh, be under duress on almost every drop back. Yeah. And then suddenly on the one play, when the offensive line does its job, he's supposed to not feel rushed and not feel, you know, um, pressured when he's been pressured on every other play. I mean, there is that carryover effect. And so, and, I, and we're seeing that he's, he's rushing his throws. He's, uh, me- his mechanics are a little weird because he's trying to get the ball out so quick. Um, And he's not he's not setting his feet and that kind of thing. And I I just think with Wilson, if you give when when he started running and was active on every play and the offense was moving, uh, he settled down and everything started to click for him. But that wasn't until the end. Yeah. And I think you're going to
0: see that change. I think when you talk about scheme change, Keith, I think they're going to start doing that a little bit in the first quarter of this game. I mean, they did open up the game with a bootleg. Uh, where he uh, faked the handoff, hid the ball behind him and and peeled out uh, opposite the grain of the defense and and picked up some yards there. And I thought, you know, that's a good sign, Uh, because I think adding Russell Wilson to the dynamic of the offense uh, by having him run, do some um, do some of that zone read stuff is instrumental to mitigate some of the offensive line deficiencies I think that we have and he did find success in that he ran 12 times in this game 34 yards 27 of those yards came on that touchdown winning drive in the fourth quarter when it counted including picking up a couple first downs and I thought that mm-hmm. was absolutely key and tipped the scales in favor for me of, of Wilson's performance especially when he added the six drops in I know that there was some sporadic play in there as well um, it's early in the season you know, Russell Wilson is a quarterback that's not going to stay in the pocket. So everything is going to be kind of off time for him anyway. And so it, you're going to have a little bit of that feeling um, that it's it's a little erratic. But I thought overall he did as good as the offensive line allowed him to to be mm-hmm. given the fact that we had some drops. Now, when he when he did complete those passes, there were some some passes and some completions, Keith, that looked really nice. I mean, I thought that that. Uh, the, the passes he did complete looked good, especially that uh, that game-winning nine-yard touchdown to Paul Richardson at the end there, uh, given the fact that he had to peel out and roll out and almost get sacked and throw off <laughs> off his front foot and all that stuff, and, and threw it to Richardson, who, again, played made kind of a heroic comeback in the game after dislocating his finger and having, having it literally rip open his skin and having it have it stitched and then go and make that catch. Um, that was a good feel-good moment. I think... Those a uh, couple of things um, add a little bit of positive feel to the to the game after we talk about the horrific offensive line. I think Russell Wilson to me it looked a little better than the first game, and I think it points him in the right direction, especially if you if you don't discount those those drops.
1: Yeah, and I think with him, like I'm, I'm not concerned. Is if maybe that's the. The the part that comes down to it. did he play perfect? No, of course not. But I'm not concerned. I know what Wilson can do. I know he's a great player. Uh he takes care of the ball. He makes big plays. He's a dynamic guy. I'm just not concerned about him. Get the rest of the offense right. Wilson will not hold this team back.
0: So talk about a couple of the drops really quick and then we'll move over to the defense. Tanner McAvoy uh, had two of the the most critical drops in the game. One was for a third down conversion, which would have kept a drive going in 49er territory, and a, a touchdown drop. And uh, you know, on Twitter, which I try to avoid during the game, but once in a while I will go check in, and I just happened to be on there during that time. And oh my goodness, the 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 call for his head to roll was was almost immediate, and the you know the the pining for uh Keason Williams uh, started mm-hmm. all over again and uh what do you do you think that they'll stick with Tanner um they've got uh they've got an option on the practice squad in David Moore um obviously the 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 waiver wire out there and so forth um I don't you know it seems to me like they'll try to see if you know he has any more drops but I think one more in a critical situation he's
1: probably going to be off the roster well, I mean, one thing to look at there is he played 15 special teams plays, so obviously he is a major factor there, and that's why he's on the roster. Um, and then you have you know Richardson with his fig- uh, with his finger injury was out, so they had four wide receivers. Um, and you, McAvoy's got to play, and and he stepped he he was there, and because of the way the defense was, he became you know, the the receiver that got the ball. And he's got to make those plays. And I think that he's made those plays in the past. He did great in the preseason. He just didn't make those plays yesterday. And I think it's one of those things where he, they'll give him an opportunity. I mean, they won the game. And therefore, it, that gives them time to let him work through it. And I think they're going to continue to. But when you're looking at what what happened here, this is a guy who played 15 snaps on offense. And he had two huge drops in just 15 snaps. Um, and in those 15 snaps, like uh, nine of them were run plays, right? Yeah, so he's no, out, and those he's,
0: were the only two snaps that were targeted to him, he dropped.
1: Yeah. And so so he's out there for six passing downs. He gets the ball on a third of them. So two out of the six passing downs, and he drops both balls. I mean, that that is a type of performance you cannot have.
0: Right. Uh, and, and in any other game where we're beating the 49ers by 24 points, you're probably not even going to notice it. But in a game that we're literally tied at half, man, you got to make those mm-hmm. plays. You just do. Yeah. You know, and you so we'll see it. what yep. happens with Tenor. I hope he sticks. I do. I like that big receiver option. Um, but I'm not sure how long the team will stick with a guy that, that plays, that makes drops in critical situations like that. It's just, it's not <laughs> for, uh for Pete Carroll. How about Chris Carson, really quick, right before we we go back to the defense side. Uh, 20 rushes for 93 yards, but the bulk of those came in that critical drive in the fourth quarter to put the game away.
1: Yeah, just absolutely eat the clock. Um, And just, you know, they could not stop him. One of the, okay, so he looked great. I mean, just under five yards a carry behind that offensive line is really impressive. Um, And the team is starting to see that. Because he got, um, he was on the field for 50 out of 82 snaps. 50. He was on the field for 50 plays. Yeah, uh, that's
0: because he can pass block, Keith. I don't know if you can. saw that play where Rawls whiffed on that that uh, protection play where Russell Wilson was dropping back. And Rawls whiffed on a, on a pass block on a linebacker blitz. And I thought, that's it. That's it for Rawls. That was yeah. the play for me that told me that Rawls is not the number one back anymore. Because well, he has five rushes, can block. five
1: rushes for four yards. Yeah, and then so uh, and then when he's in there, to, when he was pass blocking, he just whiffed and and missed, and I'm like, yeah, he, it's just not. There was nothing about Rawls's game where he got the job done. Instead, you've got Chris Carson, who's in there, who was very good at pass blocking, and you know, averaged almost five yards a carry. And he had two.
0: And he's averaging two point six yards per rush after contact.
1: After contact, yeah. I mean, and that's that has a lot to do with it because if you're behind this line, there's gonna be contact before you reach the line of scrimmage. And that is one of those things where you have to be able to fight through that and still get positive yards. Lynch did that. That's why he was so great here. Um Rawls did that two years ago, but th- through the injuries, he's lost some of the quickness that uh, allowed him to do that, and now you've got Carson who can do that, and so uh, he is he's the guy that needs to, to be getting the playing time, and he did. He got 50 out of uh, 82 snaps. Uh, Rawls only played 16, and uh, ProSize only played 17. Yeah so I think that tells you a lot about what the team thinks of Chris Carson.
0: I, I agree. I mean, I don't want to completely write off Rawls quite yet. Five rushes is not a huge sample size for a running back, especially given our offensive line situation, especially in the first half. In fact, he picked up all those uh, carries in the first quarter, Keith. He didn't touch the ball after that, although he was in there for a couple plays after the half. Um but you're right. Everything points towards Chris Carson. And I think we, you know, fans see the same thing the team is seeing is a really legit number one, uh, running back going forward, which I'm terribly pleased with. I mean, it's, it's crazy that it came you know with our last pick in the seventh round here. We find this guy that really, he only had 80 carries last year at Oklahoma state. He came from a junior college where he didn't get a lot of time, a lot of carries. He didn't carry the ball. He carried the ball less than 50 times in his junior year. So there wasn't even a lot of tape on this guy. Um, So you gotta hand it to the the whoever found uh Chris Carson for the Seattle Seahawks, whichever scout said we gotta have that guy on the team. Um because it's definitely a diamond in the rough.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um when the Seahawks drafted Byron Maxwell uh, this was a guy who didn't even play much cornerback in college. He was mainly a special teams guy. And, you know, the Seahawks drafted him, and it took him a couple of full seasons before he became a starter uh, for Seattle. But, you know, it's it's kind of that same situation. It's just a guy that didn't get a lot of playing time in college, but looked like uh, an NFL player, and the team took a chance, and, and did what they had to do to to teach and develop and, and get them on the field and and it's just it's a credit to the scouting department and to John Snyder that they are able to find these guys
0: and at and going back to the offensive line I hate to do that um, why can't they do that for the offensive line? I mean, come on guys. You've listened. If, if it's something that's not working three years in a row, you got to go out and make a change. I mean, if, if Pete Carroll's willing to go and change an offensive lineman, um, starting position in the third game of the season, you'd think he'd be able to, to go out and change a starting, uh, coach an offensive line coach for the Seahawks, uh, to get something different, a new scheme, a scheme that fits better with the personnel we have, a scheme that works better in protecting Russell Wilson and giving our running backs a chance to be really successful. Um, maybe we'll see one this, this coming season if things continue the way that they look like they might. Um, maybe that will be the impetus to, to make that happen. But I I, I like everything about the front Office in Seattle, except for that, the decision to... And the ability to scout and um, and put offensive linemen on the team something something's just off and it's not working.
1: I don't feel it's a scouting issue. I, I because I don't think that you look at like Ethan Posick. Do you really think that he's not talented enough to play offensive line in the NFL? Because I don't. I, I think he can. I think he is one of those guys that should be uh, a very good player in the NFL, uh, whether it be at center or guard. Uh, or possibly even a tackle because he's got the feet to do it. To me, it comes down to why aren't they developing players? When you look at what happened, I mean, it's, running back is the one position where it's you can quickly uh, teach someone how to play it because uh, you, they have the ball in their hands. It's all about just reading blocks, finding holes, and a lot of it's just instinct. But you look at what they've done like in the defensive secondary where – You know, Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman and uh, Byron Maxwell and uh, Deshaun Shedd. These are guys that all had to be developed. You know, they had the physical skills, but they had to be taught the football skills. And they don't do that on the offensive line, but they do that everywhere else. Yeah. And and that is the problem It
0: is so interesting, Keith, because you can really see it on the offensive line. You can see the missed blocks. You can see... The, 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 you know, Lewinsky going right when the rusher's coming in on the left. And you can, you can see these things. I don't know if it's a communication thing with Britt where he's not assigning blocking, uh, schemes at the line before the, the, the ball is snapped or what. I don't know what's going on. I, it's hard for me to know because I'm not a big, huge offensive line guy, although I played tight end in, in school, but, um, that wasn't my big thing blocking. I was I was kind of the receiving tight end, so I didn't pay attention to all the the blocking stuff as much as I probably should. But um, I don't know, Keith. I mean, I don't want to go into it too much more because we. I want to get into the defense, but it's um, it's just puzzling to me how how bad it really looks on on in the game and on film, and I I just it's it's almost comical sometimes on some plays where where there's nobody getting touched and they come and have a free uh, look at Russell Wilson or or tackle our running back for a two or three yard loss and there's just too many of those plays I just don't and when I look around the other teams in the NFL most uh, don't have lines that look anything like that at all I just at least you know most teams are <clears throat> getting one or two yards positive on a rushing play I mean yeah, once in a while you'll have a, an explosive lineman come in and blow up a play, but that's rare um, well there's
1: a there is a general downturn in offensive line pay, play around the league, and I think that has to do with the lack of practice time um It's just not as good as it was a few years ago, but at the same time that isn't an is an excuse for Seattle because while every offensive line is getting a little worse. Seattle's has gotten a lot worse. Um, every offensive line with the exception of a few isn't that good but there are still 31 maybe 30 if you count Houston that are better than Seattle and it isn't that Seattle's not investing in the line because they are, they paid Brit. they invested a lot of money in Jokel, they've invested more draft picks than any other NFL team and that's not just the 7th round defensive line converts, that's, uh, they've invested more draft capital so more first round picks more second round picks more third round picks they've invested high draft picks into the offensive line and they're getting nothing for that return um so it this is a problem that really is unique to seattle but we should probably move on this is a lot of talk about the offensive line that's true seattle's got a defense which is really really good we should probably talk about that
0: well and they're they're (laughs) quite frankly they're keeping them in the games they're keeping them in the games enough to where Russell Wilson and Chris Carson can go in the fourth quarter and and steal it. Cuz that's kind of what we did in this game. We stole this game. We it looked like the beginning of the fourth quarter we had a legit chance. It was like a 50-50 toss-up. We were behind 9 to 6. Our offense wasn't able to sustain anything at all in the third quarter at all. So we had no there was no hope that we could actually develop anything and all of a sudden it just clicked. Um but the defense Keith uh stellar pass defense number one we held brian hoyer uh to 15 of 27 for 99 yards i think that was telling um they did have under, that lead for a while so they weren't they were running the ball a little bit more um uh, mm-hmm. but you know um, under 100 yards yeah
1: receiving or, or passing that's that is that is incredible it just it's it just incredible um they did have You're like
0: 150 right. yards rushing, but but two of those came on a like a 60 yard deal and a 20, 25 yard run. So
1: <clears throat> yeah, a lot of the rushing yards came on on two big plays. But part of that is because the game was close. When it was the the largest lead the Seahawks had was six to nothing. When they had those two nice drives down yep. in, yep. and then the, the passes were dropped in the end zone. If if the Seahawks if, if the Seahawks catch those passes and it's 14 to nothing then we see Hoyer throwing a lot more we see Hyde a lot less and it just plays right into Seattle's um yes you know their their scheme and everything they want to do on defense but that didn't happen they ha- they were able to be balanced on offense the 49ers were and the defense still dominated the game they still even with even with the 49ers being able to be balanced being able to do what they wanted call the plays that they wanted um The Seahawks still held Hoyer to 99 yards passing. That's just crazy.
0: Well, and we kept the pressure on him all day. We didn't have too many sacks. I think we had two sacks, Keith, uh, one of which I thought was darn close to being a safety. Uh, In fact, you could have made an easy argument uh, Mm -hmm. that if it it was called a safety, I don't think anybody would have complained, uh, even from the 49ers, because they caught him right at the goal line there and pushed him into the end zone. Um, Frank Clark... I think Frank Clark's going to have a monster year. He's the standout defensive lineman for me. Sheldon Richardson doesn't get... He hasn't name-called a lot, but he's got an amazing impact on this line right now, and one of the beneficiaries is is uh, Frank Clark.
1: Yeah, Frank Clark, Michael Bennett, um, those guys are are, are um, really benefiting from having Richardson in there. I saw a a next-gen stat that talked about when the... it's Basically, it's how close a defensive lineman is to the quarterback at the moment the pass is thrown on average and the league across the league the averages is, is 4.48 yards about four and a half right uh sheldon richardson is like 3.2 by far the best um on seattle and one of like the two or three best um in the entire NFL, uh,
0: coming from getting, an interior pass, and, rush.
1: and he's coming, and he's coming from yeah, he is, he's coming from an interior. So he's getting there. He's making life uncomfortable for quarterbacks on every play, even yeah. if they're not calling his name a lot. And and that really
0: helps. To, that really helps the back end of our defense.
1: Oh yeah, teams are having to double team Sheldon Richardson, and you double team him. You got Frank Clark and Michael Bennett coming after your quarterback, and that's. Not good for the opposing quarterback. Or Bobby Wagner.
0: Bobby Wagner coming up the middle and a little little blitz and yeah. I mean, they look good. The defense looks good. I mean, if you combine that with an offense that you take those six drops, you add up those points, you put Seattle up like twenty four to six or whatever. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, the defense looks even better. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard because the defense is out there and the offense is slogging around and it's got, you know, six, seven punts in a game and the defense is back out there and they're shutting everything down. It's uh, the defense is probably not getting enough credit, including from us, because we talked about the offense for like 40 minutes and the defense is what we really should be talking about. These guys are are doing an amazing job at keeping us in the game while our offense is struggling this year so far.
1: Oh, yeah. And like we're talking a lot about the defensive line because that's, that's I think, the best group of talent on the roster, which is weird to say because the Legion of Boom still exists on the back end. Uh, but the defensive line is just that good. Well, and Keith, um, we, don't,
0: we don't even have to rush more than four.
1: Almost. We never do. It's like, like
0: we, can you even remember a blitz yesterday?
1: There were a couple. There were a, there couple, were, there, a there, couple. That was it. That yeah. was it. Um when because the Seahawks don't have to blitz, they can rush their front four on every passing play. Well, and think about and what And still does. get pressure.
0: Think about what that does to our to our linebackers and safeties and defensive backs. I mean, that yeah, means we means can drop
1: everybody's out there. The, yeah. the zones are smaller. There's extra help. There's it's a much harder read for the quarterback because there's a lot there's just more guys back there. So you have uh four or five guys at the most. Out against seven defenders This is only going
0: to get better to me i mean the defense is is it looks like it's really good right now i think by the time that it's in playoff mode if we can get there um we're going to be outstanding especially if our offense gets into sync at all and starts putting up legitimate uh, uh points and yards and so forth and we keep that uh defense off the field a little bit more um Boy, I'm impressed. I mean, I think the the turnovers are going to start racking up too, especially if we start to score on offense. If we can put some pressure on the other team to have to start winging it and throwing the ball, I think we're going to see some turnovers.
1: Yeah. And so uh, other things to think about here is that uh, Jeremy Lane played uh, 100% of the defensive snaps. Wow. He was the outside cornerback in the base defense and slid inside in the nickel. Um, so Shaq Griffin uh only played uh twenty snaps, which is forty one percent. And didn't have any tackles
0: um, this game. Last game he had ten solo tackles. This game he didn't have yeah. any tackle. Now now are you good with that? I mean
1: I'm great with it. Are you what good that with means... Lane
0: on the field that much and, and Shaq I am not?
1: At, I am at this point because I want to see uh Shaq Griffin continue to develop and learn and and and, and do those things and him getting you know 20 30 uh plays a game playing about half the snaps uh is great for his development it allow by not being out there all the time where it's, uh an opposing quarterback can just pick on him because he's you know the outside yeah. guy i think it's i think it's best for him and he's going to be really really good um so do what's you think a, do you we think of can develop him?
0: do you think Jeremy Lane's a better underneath coverage guy than Shaq is right now
1: yeah, he is. I mean, so he's, do you he's think a, that shot corner?
0: Do you think that that Jeremy Lane's a better outside deep corner than Griffith Griffin is right now?
1: Um, no, I don't. But so I think I he's think, more consistent. I, I
0: think that's where Griffin is going to pick up more of his downs. Is, is yeah, defending that outside edge.
1: So he, he comes in as the in the nickel, but he doesn't come in and play the slot. He comes in exactly as the, out, as the outside guy, and Jeremy Lane slides into the slot, which I think is a great setup I do for too. the team. Yeah. And You were talking about the team getting better um, as they get closer to the playoffs, and one of the things that will happen is you'll see Shaq Griffin on the outside more often um, and Jeremy Lane out there less often because as he gets more experience – uh, he'll get better, and he'll the team will want him out there more because he is he has such a high ceiling. This guy is going to be really, really good. So
0: Keith, what's going on with Bradley McDougald? He looked really well, good in the preseason. I was excited to have him on the team. I mean, talk about a nice dynamic player that you could have that you could plug and play in a whole bunch of different scenarios and positions and so forth. And he hasn't had hardly any snaps this year so far. I think he had uh, you know a dozen snaps or something in this game.
1: No, he had one in the first game and six.
0: Six, sorry,
1: six, six snaps um, uh, this week. And the team, like Pete Carroll, talked about the big nickel, which is a third state safety rather than a third cornerback. And you know, saying they learned a lot about it this week with those six snaps and wasn't sure we're going to see a lot of it. And it isn't a matter of of um, McDougal not getting the job done because he is. I, I just think that. It's one of those things that fans really like to see and they like to think about because it's tactically interesting and new. It's you know the bandit package that uh, the Seahawks used to get Cam Chancellor the experience he needed when he was a rookie. Uh, but it just doesn't match up well against a lot of NFL teams because what you end up having is this free safety, either having to uh, pretend he's a cornerback uh, against a slot receiver or having to pretend he's a linebacker and a running down and it just it,
0: i think it also th- points to the fact that seattle was behind in green bay and tied or, or or up just by a little bit in uh against the 49ers and so it seems like we were playing the run more than we were defending the pass and maybe when teams fall behind a little bit more against the seahawks you'd see a guy like McDougal out there a little bit more
1: See, and I would think that those are the situations where where you're going to see a lot more of of shaq Griffin um, rather than McDougal. Yes, we, we, but Ma- what
0: about? Well, I was thinking about the Will Hoyt uh, Sam linebacker uh, swapping out for a safety, kind of a look.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean that's one of the other things that we haven't we haven't talked about here is that uh, the Sam linebacker played uh, more snaps than the. Nickel corner in both games so far. Yeah, and that is that's interesting to to me.
0: Yeah, that's interesting to me because we didn't see a lot of that last year.
1: No, or the year before. I mean, uh, it was one of those things where around the league, it was about sixty-five percent of the of the snaps defenses are in the nickel, and Seahawks were a little more with that, closer to seventy percent. And then this year, now they're down under fifty, and I think some of that has to do with you know, just kind of the lack of depth at linebacker, but also because they the situation that the games have been in where the opposing teams are going to want to run the ball so they're sticking to their base defense. The idea of the big nickel, if we if we circle back to that, with the what it's supposed to do is to give you versatility, give you an opportunity to play the run with a better run defender than a cornerback, and play the pass with a better Tight pass end, defender tight end
0: coverage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Better pass defender than a linebacker and give you that best of both worlds. But shouldn't they have, shouldn't that have been what you needed against green Bay where they have, um, Montgomery and that running game and yeah. you know, that dynamic passing game and the Seahawks didn't use it. Uh, the,
0: Oh, well, we could see it this weekend with uh, Delaney Walker at tight end.
1: It's possible this, this weekend because you've got, they've got an incredible running game. Um, and, you know, some nice weapons. We could see it. But I just expect us to see a lot more of the Sam linebacker, whether it be Will Hoyt or whether if, if Garvin's healthy and he's back in there.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think McDougald has the capability. I mean, he's a quality talent. Um, he is. I think it does, depend, it does depend on uh, the score to me. Uh, if, if the Seahawks are up and, and up quite a bit. I think that, you know, another team is going to be passing a lot. You probably see McDougal a little bit more, but you know, maybe not. Maybe they're, they're happy with their current, um, snap count situation. You know, I don't know. I mean, it will be interesting. It's really hard to tell with the two games, uh, under the belt, uh, especially given the low score nature of both games. Um, you're, you're definitely going to be probably keying in on the run way into the fourth quarter on both those games. So, Keith, I don't want to give up on the defense this this soon, but it's time to talk about the Titans this week. Um, Tennessee Titans are one and one. They beat uh, Jacksonville away uh, in Jacksonville last week, 37 to 16. Derrick Henry kind of emerged with uh, 92 yards. Most of those came in the second half. Um, Talk about... Uh, what Seattle is going to face with the Titans offense. Um, what is our defense going to try to do against uh, Marcus Mariota?
1: Well, I think what you're going to see a lot of here is the Seahawks are going to play a lot of run defense uh, because they, you, they want to stop uh, that two-headed monster that they have with their um, in their running game and force... Uh,
0: Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray.
1: Yeah, and, and force um, the team to become one-dimensional. That's not to say that yeah. you know this this isn't the same. I'm, Mariota is not Brian Hoyer. He is a very dynamic player. Yeah. good Yeah, this is going to be one of the better um,
0: up-and-coming uh, quarterbacks that we see all year.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the other thing about playing the run is is that they have to be able to account for Mariota's ability to scramble. Yeah. They, this those, is
0: going to look very much like like Seattle's offense.
1: It's gonna look like what's what we want Seattle's <coughs> offense to get to, uh because the difference is Tennessee actually can block people, yeah, you're right now granted Seattle's defense is really good, so they're gonna be able to make yeah. things very tough on Tennessee <clears throat> but it is i mean this is a this is a good um offense that does what Seattle wants to do run the ball. They run the ball extremely well. They play play action. They've got a mobile quarterback. They've got some nice weapons. Uh, it's just going to be... It's They're a fun team to play, but I, I do think that Seattle's defense is so good that they can make life really hard. I do too, Keith. I think
0: uh, Seattle's defense is good enough to make uh, good teams look bad. Yes. And I think this is one of those games. I mean, uh, right now, Tennessee... <clears throat> excuse me. Their offense is not yet reached, um, good efficiency. I mean, yeah, they, they look pretty good against the Jaguars on the road, but, um, I think that Seattle is going to be able to stop the run. I think Seattle is going to be able to stop the run on virtually everybody this year. Uh, the question then becomes, can Marcus Mariota exploit that, um, at all? And, uh, teams have found a way to exploit Seattle's defense by dinking and Duncan all the way down the field. And that forces everybody to <clears throat> to basically be uh, 100% successful on third down conversions in order to, to get down the field. Yes. And so we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is that is that is the design of Seattle's defensive scheme is they're going to let opposing teams dink and dunk a little bit because you gain four yards here, five yards there. If you're, you know, you're just not going to have you're not going to be able to convert every single time. And when you have one play that doesn't, you're ins. You know,
0: Marcus Mariota does have the ability to extend drives. I mean, not only with his legs, but Marcus Mariota is an underrated passer. I mean, here's oh, a yeah. guy that likes to get the ball down the field. Uh, he's mm-hmm. very similar to Russell Wilson in that way. And that, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if Marcus Mariota finished the year with uh, uh, close to nine yards per attempt. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he wants to work the ball down the field. He's got some nice weapons. Corey Davis is brand new draft pick out of the draft. Highly rated guy. I really like him. He hasn't quite developed completely yet, but you got Eric Decker over there as well. Spent some time with the Jets. Now he's with the Titans. He's a good possession receiver. And Delaney Walker. I mean, he's their leading receiver at this point in the season. Um, he's got over, you know, 10 catches and a hundred and some odd yards and a couple of touchdowns and, I think that <laughs> tight end is is was one of the most vulnerable areas that we could defend last year. Um but this year we brought in Wilhoyt and Garvin to 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 take care of that as well as McDougald, So I think we're better equipped to to handle tight ends this year. We haven't really ha- uh, been challenged in that area yet. What do you think Keith? Yeah, I
1: mean I I think that this is one of those situations where we're going to finally figure out if the Seahawks have addressed the tight end deficiency in the defense. Um, because this is the first one that has really stood out as being a, you know, a, a legit weapon. I mean, the 49ers, all they have is a, is a rookie who they think is going to be good eventually, but he didn't do much. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the Packers, you know, they don't, I mean, yes, they have Mark Martellus Bennett, which is a who is a really good player. Uh, it's Michael Bennett's brother, for those of you that don't know. But the Seahawks were able to do a lot of things defensively to disrupt uh, the Packers' offense and kind of keep them out of you know being able to get in a rhythm and and being able to to do the things that they wanted to do. So we'll see. I mean, this is one of those things where because of of the balance of the Tennessee offense, they could really end up in a situation where, um, where Walker goes off or they could not. And we could see like, okay, because if the Seahawks hold Delaney Walker to like, you know, two or three ca- catches and, you know, under 30 yards, you go, well, maybe they have legitimately right. figured out this tight end problem.
0: Well, I think this is definitely one of those games that, and we can start to talk about the offense a little bit against Tennessee, where if our offense doesn't, um, uh, hold the ball and convert third downs in this game. And we put our defense on the field for more than 30 minutes. This could end up being <clears throat> a long game because Marcus Mariota is very efficient, you know, and their mm-hmm. their entire offense is designed to be efficient and convert third downs and, and, um, and, and use Delaney Walker in that pass game effectively and run the ball, wear you down over time. And, you know, I think Seattle's good enough to overcome that. But if the offense doesn't control the clock for at least, you know, 28, 32 minutes in this game, <clears throat> I think the offense or the defense is going to be on the field too long. And and some of those things start to break down. But let's talk about the offense a little bit. Um, Seattle is going against a, a defense in the Titans that is, uh, is not going to they're not known for their defense. They're known for their offense. Their defense is okay. They've obviously got some tools up front. Uh, Derek Morgan's a great uh, pass rusher. They've got some others. Uh, They could cause problems for Seattle up front, but Seattle has a chance, I think in this game to exploit some of the things that uh, Tennessee has on defense. And if, if Seattle can end up uh, run blocking in this game, we could run uh, quite a bit. I, although Tennessee is a better run-blocking team than they are a pass defense team. If it comes down yeah, to Wilson needing to pass the ball, I, you know I like our chances if we can if we can protect him.
1: See, when I look at this, I'm like I I'm not I'm not enamored with the secondary and the linebackers overall for Tennessee. I think that you look at, at Baldwin and Lockett and Jimmy Graham if he's healthy could all have really big games uh, in the receiving um, category there. And that's helpful. The problem with Seattle is the same thing we talked about for the first 40 minutes of the show, and that's can they pass block well enough to allow those weapons to be used. And the the matchup in this game that scares me the most is Jarrell Casey right up the middle against um, whoever is playing right guard. Because that guy is a monster yeah, uh, at pass rusher right up the middle. And it's going to be really tough for the Seahawks. Now, what I hope that we'll see is a lot more of moving pockets where they they do a little half rollout directly off the snap and move Wilson to the Mm -hmm. left or to the right just four or five yards uh, one way or the other to give him a little more time to create that space between him and Casey, because if they do those kind of things, they can really negate that matchup problem that they have uh, in the center of the line.
0: And I think that we'll probably continue to see some zone read stuff. I mean, it worked really well against the 49ers. <clears throat> I think it works really well against a team that really likes to stop the run. I mean, it it adds one more element that they need to worry about. And when you start doing that to a defense that wants to stop one thing mm-hmm and you add one more thing on top of it that they need to stop, it stretches that defense out a little bit. And I think that's what Seattle needs to do is stretch the Titans out a little bit on the edges. They do it with what you just talked about on the passing game, moving the pocket outside, stretches that defense out, gives Russell Wilson some more lanes to throw in. I think the same thing with the zone blocking, or not the zone blocking, but the zone read, where Russell Wilson's got to make that choice. Um, And then if, if he... Keeps the ball and stretches that thing outside. It really opens up that deep passing game eventually, and I think um, in the third and fourth quarter, especially on the road, <clears throat> when we need, we might need a play or two. Uh, that's that's when it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, one one of the real advantages of the zone read is that it forces it forces somebody to stay home and watch that backside, and rather and they can't crash in on. on um, on the running back, or in, and not just the player that's unblocked, because that's the, the what what Russell Wilson is reading there is they leave one player unblocked, and if they crash in on the running back, he keeps it. And if they stay where they are to watch him, he hands the ball off. But it also um, the outside linebacker on that same side uh, is stuck, you know, trying to figure out what to do because if Russell Wilson keeps it they're actually in charge of containment on that side. So they've got to get outside. In addition so to it, the, makes them, yeah. it makes them uh, hesitate.
0: Yep. In addition to that, they can make that zone read look like moving that pocket. So they can run some pass plays off of that look as mm-hmm. well, which keeps Derek Morgan kind of frozen a little bit. Yeah. It slows him down. And
1: so, And so if you can, the thing is that if you're going to do that, then you don't leave the player unblocked. You make it look like the zone read, but you block everyone and then you, you fake the handoff, you move the pocket, you know, a couple bit, and then he stops, sets his feet and throws the ball. Uh, and that's the type of thing. Those are the little wrinkles that you, that we like to see because they're creative and they're fun and it really is hard on the defense.
0: One of the things that I think that Pete Carroll may have been alluding to, uh, in his presser yesterday, Keith, when he talked about, possibly some scheme changes he was asked is it a scheme change or is it a line change and he kind of said both Mm -hmm. um i think one of the scheme things that that they're going to probably do this week to me is a little bit more of a quick tempo quick slant type routes because in the 49ers again i was i was uh a little bewildered uh on the long developing routes that that Seattle was asking Russell Wilson to wait for. Um it's it seems like they didn't do a lot of quick throws as much as I thought that they would.
1: See, I I mean they had a bunch of, of you know ones where they wanted to take shots, but at the same time they I felt they did. They had a lot of, you know, quick outs for five yards or um
0: True. I know, just don't think they throwing anything it. quick over the middle. Maybe that's what I'm talking about.
1: Well, but that's also not where Russell Wilson's strength is. Yeah, but I mean, that's where freaking Jimmy Graham is. And that's part of the reason why Graham's production is down, is because you have his strength is a quick ball over the middle, but you've got a 5'11 quarterback. You know, he's a guy that needs those defensive linemen to take an extra step so there's passing lanes.
0: Yeah. Uh, to well, if, the we aren't, if we aren't going to use Jimmy Graham, Keith, if we aren't going to use Jimmy Graham, we're going to ask Jimmy Graham to come in and block 30. 30- uh 30 snaps out of 50 and he doesn't do a very good job at it anyway. Why don't we just spend the money on a better tackle?
1: Well, and I I think that's a mistake that the that this team made was by not spending the money on the tackle. I mean, Jimmy Graham is a great player. He's a Pro Bowl player. He is the second best tight end in the NFL based on um, you know, football outsiders and all of their advanced stats. He is that good. And that was even last season with the Seahawks. So let's, it's not, we're not even talking about, you know, you're not looking back to his uh, New Orleans days. So this is a guy that is really good, but the Seahawks don't have the pieces around him to use him properly because their offensive tackles are so bad that they they keep bringing him in and asking him to chip. Now he's not staying in the block and, you know, being like Zach Miller and being like a second offensive or a third offensive tackle, but he's still chipping on the way out. And that hurts his ability to get open. You're just making it really easy on the linebacker or safety that's trying to cover him. And when you have to do that, you just limit what you do. So my thought is bring in a second tight end. Use um, Vanette or Luke Wilson in that role and s- especially now that Paul Richardson has his injured finger stick Jimmy Grant on the outside stop making him try have to block yeah let him be in the slot or be on the outside and just run routes and use a second tight end you don't want let, let's limit McAvoy's snaps because he is you know because of the drops and you know Paul Richardson's fingers banged up so let's not ask him to come in and play a lot that leaves you with three um, wide receivers. Use Jimmy Graham as the fourth and put a different tight end in there yep. uh, to help the tackle.
0: I noticed Vinette's uh, snap count was somewhat lower than I thought it should be for somebody that... <laughs> for an offense that's struggling on the edges, you'd think Vinette's coming in there to, to block a lot more. Um, it, it's just a, it's a confounding thing to me, the whole thing so far. But I'm looking... Actually, this is one of the games that I thought that the Seahawks would lose on the road this this week uh, in the prediction show that we had before the season, and I thought that we would win that Green Bay one, and uh, I'm hoping that I can flip-flop those. Um, I'd like to see the Seattle Seahawks win on the road. I think after looking at Tennessee in the first two games, um, I think this is a beatable team, Keith. But we we have to get some production on our offense this week. I mean, it would be nice to score three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I think they're gonna have to score at least two. Um, and then add, you know,
0: two or three field three goals. Field goals yep.
1: You know, and get themselves to like twenty three points. Um I think if they do that, they win.
0: Yeah. Cause, you know, I think Tennessee's got an opportunity to score fourteen to seventeen points. I mean, it's really hard mm-hmm. to keep those guys out of the out of the end zone. I mean Marcus Mariota is a very dynamic quarterback. I don't know if anybody had a chance to really watch him at Oregon, but he was outstanding. And yeah. and, and he's
1: been he's been very good he's since been, coming to the NFL. Absolutely.
0: Too. Absolutely. And so it'll be interesting. I think that you know the Seahawks defense is what it is, which is great. And I think that's going to keep us in the game. It's just it's literally going to be a matter of, you know, again, it's a, if it's a low-scoring affair, um it's going to come down to turnovers and whether or not we can score in the fourth quarter. And I, I need to see it. I mean, I need to see it two or three weeks in a row before I hesitate because <laughs> um, I think we have the ability, but we just got to we just got to show it. What is what is your yeah. prediction, Keith? What do you think?
1: Man, I I'm struggling right now because until the offense does it, I have a hard time picking Seattle uh, against a good team and I think Tennessee's a good team. Uh, so I I think Seattle's going to keep it close and have a chance to win at the end and it'll come down to can Wilson and you know these guys make enough plays in the fourth quarter to pull it out and I right now I I am struggling to pick this game because it's on the road. If it was at home I'd be picking Seattle. I would. It's on the road the defense, you know, Being on the road hurts the defense. It helps the the opposing offense because of the they don't have that noise help in there and that kind of thing. So I think I'm actually going to pick Tennessee winning this on a very close game.
0: I think Tennessee is a lot like Seattle. Tennessee likes to shut down the run. That's going to be their focus. They're going to want to shut down the run. They're going to have early success doing that, I think. Uh, But I think Seattle stays with it. I think that Chris Carson, um, starts to wear down a defense. If, if he gets 20 carries this in this game, I think Seattle wins. I think, uh, 20 carries indicates that Chris Carson's having success. Um, I'm not terribly worried about where his yardage is at, although, you know, close to a hundred yards would be outstanding, but if he's got 65, 75 yards on 20 carries, um, that means our offense was able to sustain some drives. And um, Russell Wilson f- finally finds some of those weapons and exploits uh, the, the defense. And hopefully we hold on to the ball this game. And if we do, I think we score points. I really do. I mean, I think we can score on their defense. Um, it, it comes down to the to protection, I think, in this game. I think, I think Chris Carson's going to get his yards and if Russell was going to have some protection, I think he's going to complete some passes and we're going to win the game.
1: Do you trust the offensive line to give him protection though?
0: You know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to say not, a, not exactly. No, but it's going to happen one of these weeks where it's going to come together enough to where we're going to start to, to see the inklings of a offense that is starting to work. And, I think this is the. I think this is the week. I mean, if it's going to happen early in the season, it's going to happen early. And I think against a, a Tennessee Titans defense, which isn't completely ranked number one in the NFL in either the run or the pass, um, I'm I'm giving them a shot in this
1: game. Okay. Um, see, I I think this, the offense starts to come together um, the following week. I I, I think they're still. Uh, struggling a little bit and then they get the Colts which are terrible they're a terrible terrible team at home um, you know on on October 1st and I think that is the game where the Seahawks just blow open the doors offensively yeah so well
0: that's that's probably that's, that's probably a better opportunity but I'm hoping it comes a week earlier because if we, can, we need this win. I mean, yeah. if we don't have this win, we've already got two losses on the season. <clears throat> a lot of fans we're looking at, you know, highest upside is a 14 and two team, or uh, and I just I don't don't see that. But you're now in jeopardy of, you know, you could easily see another two losses on the schedule, three, possibly even four. So you could easily be looking at a you know a 10 and six team. I mm-hmm. think if you lose this game and i i really want this to win i think that i think they'll come together and get it that's just me i just i don't have some feeling i just have a feeling we'll see so we'll that's that's going to be it this week keith
1: uh fun stuff uh, yeah show. so if
0: you like listening to offensive lines I, I guess i shouldn't be telling you this now at the end of the show but uh <laughs> boy we've got a show for you <laughs> So thanks, thanks a lot for listening to the Hawks Playbook podcast. And take the time to follow us on all the social media stuff. Uh, you can also find Keith at Myers NFL. I am at Northwest Seahawk, and uh, the show is at Hawks Playbook. And um, we're here every week. So come back next week and have a listen, and and tell your friends, and leave some comments on our. On our webpage, too, on the um, uh, after the show notes, there's a section there to leave comments. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any suggestions, if you have any questions that we can ask on the show, that would be great. Do you have any questions this week, Keith?
1: I did, but we're already uh, over our time limit. So let's go ahead and we'll just save them for next week.
0: Okay. So until next week, Keith, uh, let's let's go get a win on the road. I just I think that we need to win on the road this year. And this is one of the opportunities. and I think we're going to get it.
1: Yep, let's go do it.
0: All right. See you
1: next time. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Hey, Hawks fans. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio and listen to all of our shows on hawksplaybook.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Hawks Playbook. Bill is at NWC Hawk and Keith is at Myers NFL.